From the EBKV studios in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, you're listening to The Angry and Negative Show on Brotherly Pod with your hosts, Angry Jim and Negative Dan. Welcome, everybody, to the Angry and Negative Show! It's the end of the 2018-19 season, officially, after Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals last night, where the Shen Lewis Blues lifted the Stanley Cup. They beat the Boston Bruins. Thank Christ the Boston Bruins did not win, because who the fuck wants to see Boston win another championship anytime soon, after they won, what, two in this year alone? So... That is it. We have some guests here today, but first, Angry Jim is here as always. How you doing, Jimmy? Doing good, man. How about, how about yourself? Oh, I'm 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 good until we get going here. Then then gonna be all kinds of pissed. But let's introduce our guests. They have been our playoff crew uh, all playoffs long. First from BrotherlyPuck.com, Brian Adams is here. Brian, man, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic, man. I got to watch the Blues win a Stanley Cup, and when Boston loses, everyone's a winner. So That is absolutely true. And from Section 247 Podcast, a frequent guest on this show as well, Michael Watkins is here. Michael, man, how you doing? Hello, how are you? How's everybody doing tonight? I am Amazing. doing good. Wonderful. For the time being, where to even start? I have a whole fucking format here of all these notes and every single word of it pisses me off so let's start with um, uh, the Danny Flyer fan PSA for the night <clears throat> Craig Berube deserved to be fired <laughs> all fucking day long listen Shen is one thing and we'll get there in a minute but all day long I heard oh they why did they fire Berube it was a big mistake to fire Berube does anybody fucking remember how bad Craig Berube was here it's it's the same team. I mean, it's he's coaching the team the same way he coached the Flyers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just the difference is this roster as a whole just hell of a lot better. When yeah. he got uh, when he took over for Peter Laviolette, that team was built for scoring goals. It was yeah. not built for defense, and Steve Mason was doing his damnedest to keep that team alive. Yeah, that was, that was blatantly mm-hmm. obvious when they would give up a goal every time they would score one. Yeah, literally and, thirty seconds later. He tried to instill a defensive system that just didn't work with the personnel at hand. And by the time that he got fired, the fans were ready to revolt. Much like they were when Dave Haxtell got fired. They were done. There was the fire Craig Bruby things with the emojis with the bear and the bees. Everybody remember that? I do. Oh, yeah. God, it was bad. Mm. The fire mm-hmm. Greg Bear Ruby. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it was bad. And when they, you know, and very much so, he had a bad roster here. For him, and then he goes to St. Louis and goes hops on this absolutely fucking stacked roster that the Blues have, and a good goaltender. The Blues lost what, like ten games after January or something crazy like that? It was something ridiculous. Yeah, it went on an absolute tear. The roster is 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 as legit as they come. Like, <laughs> trust me, it, I don't think it was entirely Baruby that saved them one way or the other. I think it was more Bennington than anything else, really. It was Bennington, O'Reilly, Bozak. Everybody mm. that the Flyers should have had this summer, but well, didn't, because Hextall's an idiot. They just made so many moves. It just it probably just took a little, a little bit to gel. I mean, let's face it, Jake. You know, Jake Allen was sort of hit or miss mm-hmm. the past couple seasons, and you know that kid caught fire. He was just sitting there waiting for a shot, and he got it. 
You know, I just they just need a little time to gel with all the moves they made. I mean, they redid it. They redid their top six lines like, completely. Yeah, all the additions and and obviously the goaltending was the only thing that was really missing when Jake Allen was there. You know, he's he's very Peter Mrazek esque, you know, hit or miss kind of guy, and uh, he was a miss this season, and they paid dearly because of it. And Bennington got called up and and took the league by storm, and they won the cup. So you guys are telling me they didn't win the cup because of uh, Braden Shen and Patrick we'll Maroon and, <laughs> and Michael Delzato. Michael Delzato. <laughs> I was, I think, I was shocked to see him uh, last night. I didn't see him the entire playoffs until they piled up in the corner. Like, did he play in games? He played seven I, regular season games and none in the playoffs, as far as yeah. I can tell. Yeah. Was that his first one last night, or he was just wearing a jersey? I think he was just no. wearing a jersey. Did he so play? what they do is, if you're injured or healthy scratched, um, when it gets time, they will bring you to the dressing room and they will put you in full uniform. To bring you out there, so you you just go right into it. <laughs> I was like Michael Delzada, like where the I didn't hear his yeah, name they, the entire playoffs. They've they've done that for for a while now for players. Um, you know, fine. I guess to give him the full effect. It, yeah, because there's there's been a couple of years where guys have been out there. I'm like, you, you, he played tonight, and he, <laughs> they just they they bring them down from the press box, dress them up, put them out there so they can raise the cup. They I forgot he was on the Blues. Yeah, so did I. We, we were talking about that on Sonal from Rivers, Angry Negative Show, whatever it was, recently. And they're like, Delzada's a blue. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about, Delzada's a blue? Wasn't he in Anaheim or something? Like, yeah, he's been everywhere. He got traded for, for Shen. Jeez. I, I think most Blues fans forgot he was a blue for a while there. I'd probably true. Jeez. Yeah, but I mean, you guys are talking about this roster here. I mean, they went out and got two guys that I was kind of hoping the Flyers were going to get during the offseason, and Ryan O'Reilly and uh, and uh, Tyler Bozak. I mean, Tyler Bozak, it's not, he's not that shiny new toy, but, you know, he's a solid third-line center. We were all kind of hoping that Nolan Patrick would take that step up. But, you know, they add those two pieces, and I'm looking at their, their defense here. I mean, Colton Pareko, uh, Alex Petrangelo, uh, Jay Bomish. I mean, they have that mix of, of veteran, and then they have those guys in their prime. Uh, Vince Dunn's a solid player. I mean, this roster, they have the, the sniper that the Flyers lack in Tarasenko, who I don't even think really stood out the way he used to. He, they, he used to have like 40 goals, it seemed like, every year, didn't it? He doesn't have to stand out anymore. He's got he so much complimentary to, help that, you know, I mean, he – and that's exactly what the Flyers need because I, I always compare Giroux's game with Tarasenko. I think that's most comparable as far as what they do, uh, especially using the power play. Uh, but Colton Ferenko's a – beast man i mean he's an absolute you know. monster i've never seen anybody he, he's just so smooth hey, what, how mm-hmm. tall is he like six six yeah he sucks up some ice time too and mm. he just doesn't look like he's ever getting tired for such a big guy i you know it, he's great. He, he's almost as good as samuel moran <laughs> you know i'll never forget when i first kind of got into twitter around uh maybe this time last year oh you uh, poor bastard yeah, I propose. I propo- I, you know, I did one of those. Uh, I mean, this popped my Twitter trade cherry. I'll never do it again. Uh, <laughs> it was something like ghost and ghost and somebody for Pareko and somebody. And I, I took so much shit for that. But you know, tell me now, who, would you take Pareko over Ghost? I would in a heartbeat. Like, oh, oh I would. Hell yeah. You know? Hell yeah. Without I mean, I'll, I'll never make that mistake on Twitter again. But I'm like, <laughs> do you guys know who Colton Pareko is? Like, he's a great, he's a great player, and you that saw that. Be, I think, yeah, that, yeah, that trade would be basically like you sacrifice a tiny bit of offense for an actual defenseman. Like, that's I, I do that in a heartbeat. 
I mean, this was even before like Ghost went through the whole slump thing. But I'm mm-hmm. just like, come on, guys. Like Colton <laughs> Perico, I don't think gets enough credit because of the players on that roster and and like guys like Alex Petrangelo. I guess he gets kind of overlooked. He doesn't put up the gaudy numbers either, but he's a great defenseman. Yeah, he's solid. I mean, Ghost is a is a is a good defenseman. Offensively, I think you, with Perenko, you have a little bit more of just the all-around game. You can play defense and can score. You know, he's got a wicked slap shot uh, that we've seen a couple times over in the series, and he just played really well. I think I saw, I saw a weird stat, like 486 ice time minutes played in, in the playoffs alone. You know, that's just ridiculous. Um. And- yeah. Any of you guys get that tornado warning around? Yeah, like I just 45? got. I I got it too. <laughs> I'm looking Did outside you? now. It's fucking yeah. pouring, raining out. Nice. I haven't gotten anything yet. You guys must be yeah further over than I am actually. I'm right over the bridge, so. Mm, see, I'm in Allentown, so we got quite a bit of. Let me check the uh, radar. I thought I heard it. an emergency warning in the background earlier. There, I was like, what the hell was that? Nope. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, it's looks like the worst of it south of here. Well, that's okay. We can die on air here. That's good. Give me them clickbait shit. No it's other beautiful way to here. Angry Jim <laughs> dies on air in this week's Angry Negative show. <laughs> Dude, that would probably be your most viewed show, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, let's talk about the other fucker on the blues that was the hot topic on Flyers Twitter today. Brayden Shen! The Shen Lewis Blues! One, I, 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 I don't even know where to begin with this guy <laughs> or these fans. Brayden Shen, let's put it this way. <clears throat> the Flyers got good value for Brayden Shen. Two first round picks. However, at this point, it is fair to say the Blues won the trade because Brayden Shen lifted the fucking Stanley Cup and the Flyers are still have, sitting around with their thumb up their ass waiting for these two guys to show up. Am I wrong? No, you're right. I'm absolutely. I, I agree. Like I, I'm okay with the trade. I mean, Yuri Latera was a throw-in. That was part of the deal. The real, the real part of the trade, the trade was was the prospects. And the trade was fine. Like Latera, you know, him and his fucking cocaine party can do whatever he wants. He was here as an add-in, you know, so they could dump some cap to get the second other uh, to get the second of the two first-round picks, which is fine. But like, <laughs> here we are, still waiting. Morgan Frost, all we all we can rely on is these fucking highlight reels from his uh, YouTube fucking pages. Here we are, wait another year. I doubt we see either one of Frost or Farabee in full-time NHL action this coming season. They're probably both going to be with the Phantoms. <sighs> Blues won the I cup. Mean, it, Here it, we the are. thing is, too, if the Blues don't go out and go on a shopping spree, you know, this, this past offseason, because that trade was two years ago. Oh, you know? God. So if they don't go out in that shopping spree, we're not talking about – we're not asking ourselves that question right now. There were three players I wanted the Flyers to add last summer. Paul Stastny, Tyler Bozak, Ryan O'Reilly. <laughs> One of them, two or three of them, whatever. Stastny ended up signing with Vegas. He spent the first part of the season on IR. And uh, you know, Bozak and O'Reilly joined the St. Louis Blues by trade and by free agent acquisition. And they absolutely tore it up, especially Ryan O'Reilly in the second half of the year. Bozak was a pretty good depth guy, and O'Reilly was a bona fide star throughout the season. I don't have his stats in front of me. I can pull him up here uh, in a minute, but he was amazing. You know, that was the guy. 
you know, and we'll get into Kevin Hazer in a little while and the comparisons between O'Reilly and Hayes, but he had, uh, let's see, 28 goals and 49 assists for 77 points this season. And you didn't want to get him because you didn't want to add in a draft pick because Ron Hextall had no idea what he was doing. I hate Ron Hextall. Can I can I just say something real quick? Because I, uh, I saw a nice uh, you know quote from Hextall on Twitter, I think. Isaiah from OMB Podcast uh, posted it. And, you know, it, it made sense, I guess, uh, about Hextall saying he didn't go after those kind of guys because the Flyers weren't in win-now mode. Well, guess what, motherfucker? If you go get those guys, you can turn you in can the win-now win mode. Now mode. Right? Like, what, what do you have to wait for if you can go get these guys? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just so frustrating to hear that shit. When I saw that, I kind of laughed, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, like, thank you that he's gone. I understand his whole theory, wait, 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 but it doesn't have to be like that. You can sprinkle in some guys along the way. Like, he neglected the NHL roster so, so bad. Yes. And I'm not going to turn this into a, a Hextall thing, but... Oh, you can. Go for it, because I'm about to. <laughs> like, Ryan O'Reilly's lifting the, the fucking cup. And, and to your point about uh, Braden Shen, like, uh, St. Louis did exactly what they sought out to do when they yeah. made that trade. They won the they fucking won the cup. cup. Yeah. And... That's why they play. That's why we watch. Like, I feel like we're going through the same cycle again. Like, a couple years. It doesn't even seem that long ago. Uh, Richards traded. Carter traded. Yeah, we get Simmons. We get Couturier. We get Voracek. Uh, I feel like I may be missing somebody. But, I mean, those guys went on to win the cup, right? And and here we are going through the same fucking cycle again. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like, starting over. all right, right. Like, okay, cool. Like, I'm, I'm excited to see what Farabee and Frost are going to be. But... That's not why I fucking watch. I want to. I'm sorry for all the f bombs, by the way. Oh, it's too, fine. But, I might have to yeah. put a warning in the beginning of the show because I knew <laughs> I was going to be pissed. Like, like we watch because we want them to win, yes! and we want them to ultimately win the cup. Like, I can only care for so long if these young guys develop or not. You know what I mean? Like, it's been it's been almost ten years that we've been fucking thinking this way. Oh, wait for this guy. Wait for that guy to come up. Can it be now? Right? Can we just watch some winning hockey again? The Flyers last made the second round in 2012 was seven years ago. The Flyers made the 2010. Their their cup run in 2010 was nine years ago. The last five years have been a complete fucking waste of time. You know, sure, they're waiting for prospects. And again, you know, Hextall was waiting and waiting and waiting. We're not ready. We're not ready. We're not ready. They were waiting for these fucking prospects. The issue was every single year they added a prospect, you waited for said prospect. And that's why I don't want them anywhere near the 11th overall pick this year. I want them to trade that thing as quickly as they possibly fucking can because it's going to be another excuse. Sure, you know, Fletcher's talked a good game and he's done a lot of little things right. But, you know, until something big gets done, and we'll talk about Hayes in a little while here, but, like, it's just, it's a fucking mess. You know, I, I don't know. It's a fucking stupid team. The only thing that's better than watching these prospects pan out is just winning a damn cup, and they've really shown no interest in trying to win at all recently. And the other thing, when does the, when does the interest start, though? When is it? When it exactly are was like okay? I mean, because they're never going to come out and say, "Hey guys, uh, we're going to go for it now." You know, <laughs> they're not going to ever come out and say that. Uh, it, it's always going to be a, a reload, a retool. And never use the build. You never use the word rebuild or let's get it now. So when exactly is that timeline? Is it is it next year? Two years? Five years? When is that? Fletcher's talked a big game, 
But, you know, and to an extent, again, he's done a lot of little things right. You know, he got rid of Dale Weiss, he sent Laterra down, he did all this stuff, called him hard up against his will. But, you know, when it comes to the big things, you know, here we are sitting on fucking Kevin A's hoping that he's going to come in and save the goddamn day. You know, hmm. which, you know, I don't think he's bad, but I don't think he's, you know, the guy that's going to save him either. They need more than that. You know, Fletcher has said that he he's planning on making, you know, moves and planning on doing things. But again, until those moves and trades and signings or whatever come to fruition, it's still just talk, you know. And I, I hate waiting. This Oh, well, it's not time to go yet. You know, there's nothing... <laughs> there's nothing that guarantees, you know, if you sit around for 10 years drafting that you're going to win cups, right? You know, it happened with Chicago. It happened with Pittsburgh. It happened with LA. But how many teams over the last 10 years have come close but haven't won a cup? Tampa, San Jose, Nashville, Rangers were in it for a little while. You know, there's nothing... <laughs> like, just because you sit around and wait and wait and wait and wait and wait and wait to pull the fucking trigger before you go for it doesn't guarantee you a cup. And that's why I hate waiting. Make your team competitive now. Keep them competitive. Look at the Boston Bruins. We talked about this on Coast to Coast last week. How, everybody, you know, all the prospects that they have and all the shit they get for not drafting the best players, they make it work. How many people got hurt in that lineup and they just throw players in there and they take off right away? It seems like everybody they add, all their prospects, all the young kids they put in that team are great right off the bat, and they keep refueling. There aren't many teams that have been competitive as long as the Bruins have. And it's because they can just keep, you know, refilling their current roster with great prospects. It's not, oh, well, Matt Greselnik, you know, he hasn't played, you know, 500 AHL games yet. We can't call him up. You know, I don't know. I I think the point out with them, too, is they're... Their prospects, their younger guys that are really good now, they're actually giving them regular ice time. The biggest gripe I've had with the Flyers is even though they have all these friggin' prospects, it takes them, what, like two or three full, you know, two seasons probably before they're actually a staple in the lineup. And like those two seasons are, you know, play two or three games, get healthy scratch for three, play another game, get scratched for the next two. Like just give them a freaking shot already. If like, you know, you have all of these shiny toys and you're not going to do anything with them. You're going to let them sit on the shelf and collect dust. Like, it doesn't make any goddamn sense. Yeah, Provorov has been the only exception to that ice time. Yeah. He's, He's the, the only one. The only consistent, uh, you know, Konechny was kind of all over the board there with him. But, you know, guys like Sanheim, you know, that faced the full wrath of Dave Haxtell in that time. You know, oh, well, he played, but, you know, he didn't do this right. And they sat him for, you know, long periods of time. I was baffled. And Jim and I talked about this quite a few weeks ago. We looked at Sanheim's stats and he played all 82 games this year. I had mm-hmm. no idea he played all 82 games this year. Because it yeah, felt I was like pretty, he, I was. I didn't realize either until you said it. He felt it <laughs> felt like he played only the last you know thirty or forty when uh, uh, Scott Gordon took over because Haxtell didn't do anything with the guy. Ah, oh, fucking. Ron That's Hextall the other thing with those two guys, Haxtell and Hextall. The whole coach's doghouse thing really pisses me off. Like, yeah. why? Why? You know, I never got that. I just, you know, I understand sometimes you need a mental health day to think about what you did, but. To, to not like a player when you know goddamn right he's got talent, and yet you're holding him back from developing. Always especially, he used to do that with, especially with Travis Konechny. You know, as soon, yeah, as, that soon is, as... That's why I <laughs> 10 said... 10 minutes, yeah. every, every time there was 10 minutes left in the third period, whoop, you're on the bench. Like, you're not going to learn that way. To me, <laughs> if you're going to have these kids that are talented enough to make the NHL, let them play. 
I think sheltering them, what like you know what uh, uh, Hackstall did with Konechny, you know, sitting him in the fucking bench every last ten minutes of the game. Like he's never going to learn how to play in that scenario if you don't play him. You know, watching from the bench and press box, you know, maybe one game here and there, fine. You know, whatever. But he did it with Gossesbury. He would sit him for long stretches of games, you know, and whether that was needed or not, it's like you're not going to learn anything sitting in the box for long periods of time. You're not going to get better. you got to go out there and work through it and learn to play the game. That's why this coming season is very important to development for all of these guys oh, absolutely. from top to bottom with the exception of, you know, your Giroux and your Voracek, you know, let's see with a new coach, uh, new system, you know, new GM, you're going, everybody's probably going to get a fair shake. I, I think this is going to be the true legitimate transition season that we've been mm-hmm. waiting for, for a couple mm-hmm. of years now. You know, I think this is going to be the, 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 the trial by fire kind of thing where, you know, all the current kids, you know, I don't think we see Frost or Faraby in any kind of long stints this year unless they're injuries. Um, but everybody else, you know, you know, the guys that have been wishy-washy, you know, the Konechnies and Sandheims and such and, you know, Lindblom's that have been all over the place. This is going to be the season that's going to test them the most. And I think that, you know, that's the one thing that AV better do right is handle kids right. Because that's the one thing Gordon did right. You know, Scott Gordon did not bring a whole lot in terms of creativity and difference from Dave Haxtell. Their systems were very much similar. The only difference is that Gordon used the kids well. You know, the, the Konechnys and Lindbloms and Sanheims all got, you know, a whole lot of chance under him. So hopefully AV can keep that going. And, you know, I think this is going to be the transition here. I don't know what's going to happen this summer. You know, again, Fletcher's talked a good game. You know, he, oh, we're going to make changes. We're going to go after this guy and this guy. And, and, and granted, the way this Hayes situation has gone thus far has not been uh, the best, but... You know, I, I think we're going to see a whole lot of uh, whole lot of transition this year, and you know, maybe the season after that, maybe they make the playoffs this year. Who knows? I guess it really depends on what the rest of the Metro looks like, uh, and you know what some of these teams do. You know, whether the Penguins kind of start breaking it down like they've talked about. You know, whether teams like Carolina go out and spend a whole bunch of money because they feel you know they have the itch now. You know, what teams like the Rangers look like and the Devils look like after the draft. So, this is going to be a big year for the Flyers. It's definitely not going to be easy for him next year because I feel like the the Metro from top to bottom is one of the strongest divisions. I mean, <laughs> the teams like like the Rangers and Devils are only going to add, you know, with the with the top two picks. Uh, it's going to be really interesting, man. I, I'm not that confident, to tell you the truth. Remember when they first made these new. Uh divisions and the metro was by far just the worst in the league <laughs> even yeah, the top team that. was the worst it was like oh god it was so sad and now it's probably uh, the most competitive all around yeah. yeah i think i think the metro is probably going to be when the all season com- or the free agency comes is probably going to be the most active you know normally you see your the west coast teams like the vegas over the past two seasons and the winnipegs this year i think you're going to see the metro jump up because Columbus has a lot, a lot of decisions to make in the next couple of weeks, and you know Pittsburgh, they're in some, they're in some money trouble there with their cap situation, and they, they really can't do anything, so they might look to move guys. Uh, and then the Rangers too. The Rangers are just, they're, they're sitting around there. Eventually, they're gonna, the Rangers are gonna be the Rangers again eventually. So it's going to be a very active offseason for the Metro. I think they probably make the most noise. The Caps and Penguins are going to try to continue their window, keep it open as long as possible. Then you got the Islanders, Hurricanes, Blue Jackets, and Flyers all looking to take the next step. And then you got the Rangers and Devils who are quote unquote rebuilding, but realistically, after these prospects, who knows how far away they are? I don't think the Devils will be much of a threat this season. Um, but 
you know, the Rangers, again, like you said, it's only a matter of time before they bounce back because that, that is and not I, an organization that struggles along. You know, Carolina Hurricanes are, have the most pressure out of all the teams in the Metro because their fans finally found where the stadium was, where the, where the arena was. <laughs> and, you know, they have they have a waiting list now for season tickets. So, you know, this owner is known to be very cheap. Well, you know, you got the fans in there. Now they're probably going to want a product or else they're just going to forget where that arena is again very quickly. I believe the Hurricanes did like $4 million in new business, in new ticket sales already yeah. for next season. It, like, span, it was shit. in the span of like 48 hours, yeah. too. <laughs> it's like, God damn. That's what happens when you put a winning product on the ice. You know, the Flyers were third in average attendance this season. Can you believe that? I can't. Third in the NHL or third? Yeah, in the third division? in the NHL in average attendance. Hmm. I'm not that's surprised. Probably, they're usually they're be. usually in the top five. They're usually yeah. in the top five, but like that's got to be shit. like ticket. That's got to be like tickets sold, like actual it, attendance. It usually, I, it's, it's no Carter way. Hart. The NHL Carter has Hart. their numbers quite a bit in terms of attendance. Well, also too, you, you, you sold out sixty thousand seats in Lincoln Financial Field in February. Uh, you know what? That's a good point too. You know, that's that's three that's three home games worth of fans right there. Good yeah. point right there. Like, yeah. When the Avalanche had their 280 game consecutive sellout streak, whatever, and that was you know in the early 2010s when they were having 20 wins a season, <laughs> and the building was half empty, and they're like, "Yeah, it is the 280th consecutive sellout." It's like, motherfucker, I'm watching this stadium. There's 10 people in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God, that's just making me think back to earlier this season when, you know, by the third period, the freaking fart oh, was like was a quarter full. There mm-hmm. were a lot of games. Uh, you know, I I didn't write a ton of post games towards the end of the season after, after you know. But uh, <laughs> early on, like, I would watch the games from start to finish. and be like, the building was a quarter empty to start and three quarters empty by the time the third period rolled around. Because yep. they were, you know, in a five-goal deficit already. Yeah, it became a Dodger game where... Sh- the fans would show up in the second period and leave in the second period. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, well, let's talk about the other big Flyers news. Kevin Hayes was acquired for a fifth-round pick uh, quite a few weeks ago now. Uh, the other news is that he is unsigned yet. They apparently toured the facilities uh, this past week, sometime earlier this week, uh, with mixed results. And there was all kinds of mixed results from, you know, the media as well about how he felt about it. Uh, Oh, he liked it, but he wants to go to Columbus or Chicago or New York or Arizona, which fucking stung when I read that one. The the fucking Arizona Coyotes are uh, looking to fucking be more popular than the Flyers. That's going to be the day. They can get all hundred people in that stadium to root for the team. But, uh, you know, every day that Hayes does not get signed, my uh, interest in him dwindles more and more because that means he wants to get paid. And at this point, I don't mind Kevin Hayes as a player, but he is not the guy that I would throw boatloads of money at this summer. So I have a, I have an uh, opinion here. I mean, because initially my, my reaction is the same, you know. Like, I mean, we... We could start a whole new show, actually. I was just thinking while you were talking, it's called pan- Panic and Fear. Like, because those, fir- those are the first two things that come to mind with the Flyers all the time. And, you know, okay, they bring in this guy. You know, the first thing I think of is they're going to blow this somehow. How are they going to blow this? So there's the panic. And then the fear is, are they going to overpay him? Like, there, there is no win with the Flyers. Like, they're either going to not sign him or they're going to overpay him. They're not going to yeah. get it right, you know? So. Um, but but my whole take with this Kevin Hayes thing, like I'm trying to think rationally here. I'm trying to see from his perspective. And 
you know, there's absolutely no incentive for him to sign quick. Um, the Flyers, I mean, you could almost say, you know, I give props to Fletcher for going out and being proactive and all that stuff. But, you know, I almost think that this works against him a little bit because, you know, if, if a guy like Kevin Hayes doesn't necessarily want to play for the Flyers, if he knows he has somewhere in mind, uh, you know, I'm going to try to get as much as I can out of this team because I don't want to really play for you anyway. You know, if you want me to play for you, make it worth my while. Like, cool, you have the coach I used to play for. They didn't necessarily like him. I don't know if he did or not. Um, you know, I think he's a Northeast guy. I, I can't remember exactly where he's from. Um, but being on the East Coast, I mean, that's a plus for him. You know, I, I mean, if you want if you want to talk numbers, I, you know, initially I'm like, you know what, I'm not paying Kevin Hayes any more than $6 million, 6.5. But I think – realistically he was making like 5.1 something last year he's going to want to raise i, I mean 6.5 between 7 6.5 and 7.5 i think is what they get him signed for mm. now the next part of that is is the years like i don't know if i want kevin hayes for 6 years cuz that's no. a pretty big that's a big cap hit when he's like 31 32 33 you know and guys are saying uh you know, midway through that contract, Nolan Patrick will be bumped up to the second line center. I don't know if I want to pay my third line center, right. um, you know, coming with that $7 million cap hit or whatever it's going to be. Um, so as easy as it seems to just sign him, just sign him, blah, 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 pay him, whatever. You know, it's kind of tricky because he's not that guy, I think, that we're going to want around for six, seven years. Uh, so it's a weird situation. What do you guys think? It's been my biggest concern with that as well is locking him up long term you know again he's going to be making more than he did last contract which quite frankly his last contract of 5.1 would be more what i would feel comfortable paying the guy you know he's probably going to get you know probably more than six which at that point once you start again for five or six years it's like whoa you know that this seems like the kind of guy that could return to being just a guy once he signs his deal. And that's my biggest fear is they're going to sign somebody like this to a big contract. And all of a sudden you got fucking Andrew McDonald all over again, you know, mm -hmm. just some yeah. fella making a whole lot of money in a time when they don't need another player to be making that kind of money. You know, they have it this year, but once they get Provorov, Konechny, you know, and uh, 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 Sandheim signed the next summer, you got, you know, Lindblom and Patrick are going to demand quite a bit of money as well. You, like, this is why I want them to do something big this summer, and I don't think Hayes is thinking big enough. It's one thing if you're going to pay, you know, a Panarin big bucks who can, you know, produce 70-plus points. It's another thing to pay somebody like Hayes big bucks who, you know, his ceiling is kind of unknown and you don't know what realistically he's going to bring to the table. He's got that Andrew McDonald-looking face too, doesn't he? Like, when... Like, I kind Kinda. of threw up in my mouth a little bit when you, when you, you said what. Andrew McDonald right after Kevin Hayes. I'm like, Ugh. Look up Andrew McDonald and look up Brooks Orpik and tell me they are not twins. <laughs> <laughs> they are identical looking. It's, it's, it's bizarre. Uh, I think the, 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 the whole, the part of, the part that bugs me about this whole thing is how weird people acted over Fletcher trained a fifth round pick of all things to get, you know, an exclusive negotiating rights to him. Like if you're, like if you're lamenting the fact that they gave out that they gave a fifth round pick up, which is not going to amount to anything. If you're lamenting that you need to go get laid. Like this is <laughs> like the, the, the odds of that thing turning into anything relevant are 
astronomically low, and it's you know you're giving up a small small price to get ex- you know an exclusive window to negotiate with this guy because you know clearly he's you know as far as the two C market goes, I mean he's still probably the second best option out there if you're going strictly off the of UFAs. But you know I, I I agree with you guys. I mean I don't I don't necessarily want to shell out a ton of money for him because I mean just because he's the second best UFA center on the market that doesn't mean you know that there isn't a substantial drop off from the number one from the number one UFA out there in Matthew Shane to then you know down to Kevin Hayes and then God, what the hell's even left after that Pavelski but he's not going anywhere so you know first off I did just look up those pictures of Bruce Orpic or Brooks Orpic and Andrew McDonald and it's scary it is scary. <laughs> they're they're twins I swear uh-huh. yeah I don't I don't I didn't mind the trade fifth round pick who cares you probably have like six of those anyway so it's fine. Um, even though, you know, Dan, did you say Sam Moran came out of the fifth round? Is that you said a couple? First round pick. Oh, I'm sorry. He was 11th. I forget. No, no. Oscar Lindblom was fifth round. Yeah. Pick. Oscar yes. Lindblom was fifth round. So, you know, you can find a gem in there. Sam um, <laughs> so, but the thing is though, the, I commend what Fletcher did for going and get him because there is not a lot of center talent as far as free agent wise, uh, you know, especially at his age, 27 years old, but I'm not paying him. Yeah, you know he he made five point one. He's going to want seven five or maybe even eight. And I I don't I'd rather overpay for a guy like Duchesne. Yes. Than than yeah. you know give him him eleven million or even ten because he's that's what he's probably going to get that number. But then give this guy seven point five or even eight. You know even though it's a three million two million dollar difference, you're going to get better talent. Yeah. You know, I don't think I don't think Kevin Hayes is is seven point five or eight nine on upwards talent. He's six million talent, especially for his second center. And Jim, you're right. You know, eventually Nolan Patrick will have to be that spot. We'll have to take that role eventually within the next two seasons. And that would be the other thing with Hayes as well. Uh, would be signing him to reasonable contract is, you know, he is going to take that spot. And you're, you're essentially the reason that I do like Hayes is he can play kind of anywhere. You know, he, he wouldn't be the Panarin. You have to put him in the top six kind of thing. He would be the guy that you can swap out second or third line if necessary. But that goes back to paying him. I don't want to pay my third line center fucking eight million dollars. Yeah, and then you he know, got Wayne Simmons. Yeah, you know you're already putting Van Riemsdyk out there. He's making what seven million. He's on the third line essentially at this point. You just I, I don't I don't know. Like I commend Fletcher for the move. I'm glad that he tried something because there were how many years have we seen nothing happen? So you know his heart was in the right place, and and you know if they sign him again, his heart's still in the right place. But like. I ju- I just don't think he's the guy, and if they sign him, they limit their moves everywhere else cap wise. You know, they could probably only add you know one other player versus two or three at that point if they give him you know six seven million dollars. So this is going to be very interesting to see over the next uh, oncoming couple days here whether they get him signed or not. At this point, I I just I just don't think I don't know. He clearly do- he isn't too excited to play here. He would have signed by now. Granted, no, well, you, uh, you never let a player leave the building. If you want yeah. him on your team, and I don't think he wants to be on the team, and that's okay. But it, what reading your tweet and the comments under your tweet, as far as Kevin Hayes goes, the the, the people that say that Philadelphia just isn't a good place to play because oh. of the fans is just it just it's not the case. I mean, it's not it, it's, it's not it's, the case at all. It's just yeah. there's a whole different reasons. It could be for because of the coach. It could be you know because of the talent. 
you know, and, or <laughs> where he sees himself in two years. Because, you know, he's no dummy. I'm sure yeah, he sees that sure roster, he looked at the roster and, and sees Nolan Patrick, Patrick at number yeah. two overall pick. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and let's face it. Why not go play in Columbus? They're an up-and-coming market right now. Why not go play in Arizona? Nice weather, up-and-coming market, and a lot of guys want to play for Rick Tockett. You know, so, I mean, the teams that he rattled off, I mean, who wouldn't want to play in this? Who wouldn't want to play in Chicago? I mean, Hey, quick, but to quick, say Philadelphia because of the fans is just ludicrous because that's that's just crap. it's not the fans it's the team it's the no. culture yeah. of the team it's the direction of the team you know I, ideally if you're sitting on this hopes and promises like Ron Hextall has been then you know the future's bright but you know you look at this roster and especially if you're filling that second line center role and you're not that elite guy that has that spot taken you're looking well those motherfuckers are want to put Nolan Patrick in here as soon as possible and if he takes off which hopefully he will at some point. You know, he's going to take that role for me in a heartbeat, you know, and, and the whole thing. And I've seen it for fucking ever since they hired Chuck Fletcher all those months ago. And again, once they brought in AV, there's the group of fans that want to bring back, you know, they want to reunite teams, you know. Oh, well, this guy played for Elaine Vigneault in New York and he's played for New York. Well, we have to get Hayes. We have to get Talbot. We have to get, you know, the McDonough and all these other people because they played here. Uh, that... Just because they played under that coach doesn't mean they like that coach or want to play with him again. You know, it doesn't mean that that's the way they want to be reunited or it's going to be an extra draw. Maybe they like the coach they want to play with again, but more often than not, reassembling these old teams doesn't mean anything. I mean, let's face it, too. Kevin Hayes only did a one-year deal because he thought he was worth more last year as well when he signed. So, (laughs) you know, I think his number... Him and his management team need to get under, you know, come back to reality a little bit. There's a reason why he only signed for 5.1, you know, and he didn't really prove that he can earn a little more. I mean, he got thrown to the to the back of the lines in Winnipeg on a team where really could have elevated his game, and it didn't. No, and that's the thing is just Hayes. Hayes is just a guy, you know. He's always been okay, but. You know, he's a 45 to 50 point guy if you're lucky. You know, he had 45, 45 points, 36, 49, 44, 42, or uh, 42 in New York, and then 13 in Winnipeg. So what, this, this was the first season he even broke the 50 point plateau, and he's looking for, you know, 60, 70 point line money. And that's kind of where my worry comes with signing the guy, you know, especially long term, is if this guy goes back to his low 40 points, you're fucked because you have $6 million invested in this guy. Nobody's going to want that contract if you need to bail from it. And then you got Edge McDonald all over again. I would love to know what happened in Winnipeg because they gave up a first-round pick for him. A first-round pick and Brendan Lemieux. Yeah, and and so what what exactly happened there? Was it, you know, just didn't gel with the guys, coach, what? You know, that's – I'm sure Chuck Fletcher did his homework before acquiring him about that one, you know, Mm -hmm. why it didn't work. You know, because that was a big – they gave up a lot Mm -hmm. for him. I think part of it too, though, is like Winnipeg just kind of didn't really gel after you know, like some point, like the the latter half of the season, they just had ridiculous consistency issues all across that lineup. I mean, yeah, they were they were very inconsistent. I mean, look at yeah. line A alone. So I was, I mean, that that may not be necessarily a haze thing. That may have just been Winnipeg had a bunch of other shit that they had to work out, and clearly that showed in the playoffs too. Part of me is kind of a as much as I'm not crazy for. You know, I wasn't crazy for the – actually, the move was fine, but I wasn't crazy for the player in Hayes. I am – I do kind of want to see, you know, what was the purpose. To, I mean, obviously, they have a plan. They went out and got their guy, you know. Uh, I would like to see him sign, and I would like to see, you know, them 
get a head start on the offseason and, and just to see I want to see you know how they're going to kind of shape this roster how what kind of what kind of game are they going to play what kind of style are they going to play because you haven't really I mean at least for myself I don't know what the hell their game plan's been. Like, are they an offensive team? Are they a defensive team? The last couple of years, well, like, what the hell? What the hell kind of identity does this team have? So, I mean, if they're going to bring in a, a second line, uh, defensively, defensively responsible center, and he puts up between fifty and sixty points a year, and, and let's say they sign him uh, between six point five and you know seven, let, let's go high and say seven. And and let's say he performs for four out of the six, five out of the six years. I'm perfectly, I'm ecstatic with that. Actually, you know, at least mm-hmm. now we could see, you know, uh, Fletcher has a direction. Uh, Vigneault has an idea of what kind of, you know, uh, style he's going to impose on the team. And and I and then I can get excited. You know, well, okay, this what's this team going to be? They're going to be defensive. They got a PK going. That, you know, they're going to put so and so on the power play. This is going to be their next move. We can focus on top four D. Sign a goddamn backup goalie so Carter Hart doesn't have to play sixty games as a twenty year old, whatever. And let's get the ball rolling a little bit. You know, I think now that we've got them, or now that the Flyers have them, get a mother effing signed. Like, let's stop waiting around. And let's go. You know, I, and, and then there's the other thing, you know, well, that's too much. You're right. Uh, let's wait and see what happens. That, that's what I want to see. I want to see them get them signed and let's move on to the next phase. You mentioned an important word there, which is identity. This team has lacked identity for years, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> more than years, you know. Four or five of them at least. Yeah, yeah. it's just... <laughs> You know, again, we talked about it at the beginning of the show. You know, Laviolette had an offensive team. He wanted to score goals, and he didn't give a fuck about what happened in goal goaltending and defense. And then you had Barubi, who came in and tried to instill a defensive system, and it didn't work because the roster wasn't there. And then you have Dave Haxel come in, who doesn't have a fucking idea what he's doing. And <laughs> they, you know, they, they sit there and sit and spin for, what, five years under the guy? You know, for real, man. There's no. Is this a defensive team? I don't know. You know, looking at their defense core, not really, because they're all offensive defensemen. But they're not exactly scoring goals at a good pace either. Here, <laughs> you know, exactly. Just very judging. much a team, and that's it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, going. They went after a two-way. They went after a two-way center. So they're looking for probably two-way play, and, where it's going to be a lot of three-to-two games. You know, Hextall drafted, and when he signed players, and when he drafted them, he looked for character. You know, he didn't give a fuck what they could produce. It was about character. It was about building a good room, which, hey, more power to you if you think that's going to win you games. But at the end of the day, Ryan O'Reilly, you know, he's been called a locker room problem issue before, but he's lit that fucking Stanley Cup and put up 80 points this season. Dude, if I have to fucking read some shit, like, like if, if... And I'm, I'm thinking of last summer, and I'm already seeing it again oh. now. Like, oh, don't go get, don't go get true, but he's a locker room this or he's a locker room that. Oh, I've already heard that, dude. People said the same shit about Ryan O'Reilly, and he he won the goddamn con Smythe. You know, people were saying the same shit about Matt Duchesne in the right locker room setting. You know, and I'm not sure the Flyers have that yet, but in the right locker room, those guys can be themselves, like- and and they'll. They'll be policed in the, in that group of people, and they'll be able to just focus on you know what they're good at, and that's fucking being I, great I, hockey players. <laughs> I heard O'Reilly and Duchesne's name, you know, as hard to deal with guys, but they both played in Colorado, who was winning you know thirty games a season. 
you know, if that. And then, you know, O'Reilly went to Buffalo, who put up, what, 15 wins? And Duchesne went to Ottawa, who put up, like, 20 wins. <laughs> Do you fucking blame players of their caliber of play, angry that they're playing on such shit teams, wasting their careers? No, if you want to win hockey games, if you're in it for more than just the money and you want to win, of course I'd be pissed on a team like the Ottawa Senators or Buffalo Sabres. You kidding me, fool? You hear anything about O'Reilly this season? No! Because he was on a team that won the fucking Stanley Cup. Yeah, I mean, and I'm, I hate to switch sports, and I'm sorry if I just interrupted somebody here, but, you know, a classic example of, of seeing a guy excel in a, in a better environment and, and I'm, I'm not sure what his personality was like, you know, uh, but Jay Bruce, when he came to the Phillies, he actually mm-hmm. had an interview after a game. You know, he's excited to be here in a winning culture. He said, I think he was in Seattle before here. Uh, he wasn't excited to be there. It wasn't working out for him. His numbers were shit. He comes here and he, he hits a home run in what, four straight games, something like that. Yep. You know, he's excited to play again. And I think when you're on a team like the Sabres, you know, where they're all kinds of fucked up and in Ottawa, like their owners, of, he's a whack job. How can you be excited to go out and play, like be yourself, you know, uh, especially I think in those in those uh, cities too. like who the fuck wants to live in Buffalo and who wants to. I mean, Ottawa, I'm not really sure. I think people prefer Montreal. But like, come on, like then you go to you go to St. Louis, you have, you know, players like Petrangelo, you have leadership over there, you're playing for a coach like Barubi. Uh, and, and where's Duchesne now? I'm sorry. He's playing for a coach like Tortorella now in, in Columbus. He's got veterans like Felino on the team that are going to say something if you step out of line. Um, you know, so the whole locker room thing, I think, gets overblown. However, with a team like the Flyers, uh, I'm not sure they have the kind of vets that could keep those guys in line. So when people say that shit, it pisses me off. But then when I look at the Flyers, I'm like, God damn it. They could be right. With this fucking team, I, know, I hear stuff like that, and I think like how much time? Okay, like where, like where are all these coming from? Or is my next question like where is all this information coming from? Because half the time it's from people who spend little to zero time actually covering these teams. Like you're talking about people being a locker room cancer, like. Unless you're actually physically in there watching him beat people up and talk about banging their wives and shit, like I highly doubt he's actually a locker room cancer. Like, but I mean, well, I, like, it's like you were saying. I mean, like you you put a good roster around him, you give him some, comp- you give a guy some complimentary pieces to play with, and you know what? I think you're gonna hear the you're gonna hear that talk go down real quick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, winning cures all. I mean, if you're winning, you know, it, you could be the worst guy in the world in that locker room. If you're winning games, it's not going to matter. You know, and, and you use Duchesne and O'Reilly again with that situation. I mean, after year after year, you're just getting kicked in the ding-ding. I mean, who wants to play for a team like that? And on top of that, you're in you're in cold weather in Buffalo and Colorado. Give me a break. Uh, you know, but, I mean, O'Reilly, you know, Duchesne, jury's still out. I mean, you only have a small sample size as far as him. But O'Reilly started his, you know, march to the top a couple years ago in the World Cup. I mean, he was a big-time leader, big-time player on that team for them and really showcased his talents, and I think that's why he is where he is today. You're telling me you wouldn't want to live in Buffalo with three feet of snow at a time? <laughs> Getting kicked in the ding-ding. Yeah. <laughs> kicked in the ding-ding. Episode name right there. There have been there so go. many titles I've been writing down for episodes here, and I don't even know which one to pick. <laughs> kicked in the ding-ding. AKA getting traded to Buffalo. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy, what the fuck else? What about this inner deal, though? I mean, that. I mean, what's your opinions on that? That guy. Here we talked about this on uh, Coast to Coast this past week. Like, 
the issue with guys like Jeff Skinner and Mitch Marner is they want as much money as possible, and Buffalo didn't have a choice. Somebody's going to pay Jeff Skinner $9 million. Somebody's going to pay Mitch Marner $11 million. You know, and Skinner is, again, Buffalo didn't have a choice. He was their top guy this season, aside from Jack Eichel. If they let him walk because they didn't want to pay him, oh, 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 man, that would have been a fucking disaster. You know, they didn't yeah, have a GM choice. Yeah, Jack but, Eichel. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I'll be honest with you. I didn't think that was that crazy. I mean, Skinner's potential 40-goal scorer every year, mm-hmm. I, I, at least I think. Um, I, I mean, that's pretty much all he's good for. But, hey, man, you need to fucking score goals to win. Uh, there aren't that many 40-goal scorers around the league, and the going rate, I guess, is north of $8, 9000000 million. I would love for him to be on the Flyers for 8 $9 million. Could you imagine him playing with a, a Giroux or a Couturier, something like that? Yeah. Um, so in a way, I'm, I'm kind of I'm jealous, but, you know, whatever. It, it's, it's one of those things where mathematically it works out because he signed for the same cap percentage that Jake Voracek did, and they're both putting up 60 mm-hmm. points. Granted, Voracek can't score a goal to save his fucking life, but, you know, it's the same cap percentage. It's just that it's yeah. been a couple of years and the cap went up. But, you know, even still, $9 million for somebody like him, when you say that out loud, it's like, what the fuck are they doing here, you know? Mm-hmm. But... He's a finisher, man. You put him with the right guy. Yeah, so I I, I, had a 37 goal season before. He had 40 this year. I believe he had 33 another year. So he's definitely going to be able to score goals, but I don't know. It just seems seems like a lot of money. It is a lot. It is a lot of money. Here's the thing, too. He's never been to the playoffs. So, you know, and you just got paid. Jack Eichel's been paid. Both those guys got to lead you to the playoffs now. I mean, that's great. You score 40 goals, and that's that's why he got the paycheck. You know what comes after 40 goals in the paycheck? Playoffs. So yeah. now they got to get there. Both of those guys, you know, obviously Eichel lobbied for him just like he lobbied for everything else on this team so far for him. <laughs> but they got to get to the playoffs. Hey, without looking at their roster, not many other players come to mind on that team. Uh of lining on defense. I got Dolly. Sam yeah, Reinhardt, Ristolainen, and Darlene. Yeah, the other three mm-hmm. that I can think of off the top of my head. <laughs> yeah. who, who played goal? Didn't they go out and get the uh, backup St. Louis goalie last year? Yeah, they got uh, Carter Hutton. Carter Hutton, okay. He was solid. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs anytime soon. That's kind of crazy. Wow. Yeah. Didn't they only win like 10 games from November on or something like that? It was some ridiculously low number. They were the opposite of the Blues. Yeah, yeah. Blues like went almost undefeated. The Blue and the Brew. Uh, Jesus, the Sabers uh, won like five games or something. It was it was some ridiculously low number. I could look it up here. It was like sixteen maybe or something. Ah, fucking. Sabres. Nah, I don't look it up. You don't need to look up the Sabers. <laughs> Fuck the Sabers. Buff. How do you spell Buffalo? Buffalo Sabers. Buffalo. Oh, Record. Question mark. Hmm. List of Saber seasons. Uh... That's got to be a depressing article. <laughs> <laughs> Especially over the last decade or so. Mm-hmm. Um. Does this not tell me the record? Of course not. What is this? Oh, this is the NHL season. Okay. That fucking Sabers. Sabers. Where the fuck are the teams? <laughs> does this not happen on here either? Oh, it does. Okay, let me do some math here. Somebody want to talk about something the way I count? Yeah, I'm just looking up. Yeah, and I will say, though, after the Skitter contract, Matthew Sheen and his agents have to be foaming at the mouth right now. It's, it's $11 million now for Duchesne. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was it's got to be. You can't pay him, you can't pay him 10 
You know, you're 10, 5, 11. Wow. And what were the years for Skinner again? Is it six years? It It's a lot. I, I want to say it's like eight years or something. Yeah, I think it's eight years, yeah. Jeez. It's going to get really crazy this I, summer. Yep. I'm not good at math. Marner's going to have to get like a, a bazillion dollars. Oh, he's making at least 11. Somebody's paying him. Yeah, money. I was going to say, the he's probably going to get Matthew's up. money. Whether who, would he, you rather, who would you rather pay, though? Would you rather pay Duchesne or Marner? Marner. 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 10 exactly. out of 10 times I'd pick Marner. I would give Marner 11 million. I would. Four, six, yeah, he's not going to sign for a while. Four, six, it, this is going to be a really interesting offseason. You know, everyone's talking about the RFA offer sheets, too, and – I didn't think there was going to be much, but I'm kind of starting to go the other way. Like I think guys, I think guys are going to get a little spicy here. I think well, that's what scares me. Prover, that's what Proverol scares me right now. Because yeah. that deal's not done yet either. He's waiting to see, you know, where some of these other guys, how much some of these other guys sign for. I guess. Uh, yeah, I'm a little bit worried about that too. That, uh, deal, okay. that deal had to be done by now. I agree, hundred yeah. percent. I wouldn't be as worried if they didn't come out with that bullshit, you know, where he wants to sign before the uh, the worlds and all that, and hmm. didn't end up playing in them because of the contract. And now I'm kind of like, huh? Were they talking the whole time and didn't get a deal done, or was he? I don't know, man. So it's going to be interesting. By my math, which is more than likely wrong, the Sabers through October and November were seventeen, seven, and three. And the last five months of the season, they went 15, 20, and 6. That's not good. You were, <laughs> no. you were close. They had more wins in the first two months than they did in the last five combined. Christ, man. <laughs> Jesus. It's got to be depressing to like live in Buffalo. It's like You watch the Sabres, you watch the, the Bills. What watch, the hell else did they have? They have Niagara snow and, and chicken wings. That's about it. <laughs> Say so the only way that could be worse is if you're a fold-up picnic table in Buffalo because you have a pretty like one in three chance of getting annihilated every Sunday. <laughs> oh fucking! Oh, that's great. <sighs> well, <clears throat> they didn't talk about any ghost rumors, dude. And you want to talk uh, about that quick before we wrap this shit up? All right, let's talk about Goss's Bear. Because actually, mm-hmm. on Sunday, I have uh, Anthony DeMarco, who's my co-host, who you may know started those ghost rumors. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to grill him on that show, but we can talk about it on this one as well. Shane Goss's Bear. Been mm-hmm. talked in rumors with Montreal, with Andrew Shaw and Paul Byron. And holy fuck! Listen, Goss's Bear trade value took a huge hit this year, but he's still in a very team-friendly deal. Trading him for... Two bottom six guys at this point who aren't going to contribute anything to a team. Fucking unbelievable. Hmm. Unbelievable. Where did that come from? Did you ask him where that came from? Who did he talk to that? that Through names at a dartboard. I uh, have not talked to him yet. That episode will be up this Sunday for you who listen to it. Was it just like, hey, my buddy from Montreal said that, you know, the Canadians won't ghost and this is what they'd give up. Uh, you know what the hell I mean I- I'm actually an Andrew Shaw fan to tell you the truth and I'm mm-hmm. not that much of a ghost fan uh, not that I would ever do that deal but I mean if Montreal could add like a first round pick or something I, if there know. was more to it I would talk but like <laughs> for fucking Shaw and Byron straight up it's like oh hell no Ghost is bad. Hey, you-, you gotta get you gotta squeeze some value out of the guy and there's the thing you don't have to trade Ghost you know he's a good pretty piece that if they're 
you know, deal's right, you can trade him, but you don't have to move him. And right. trading him for fucking peanuts at this point isn't the way to go. Build up his trade value this season. Let him, you know, try and gain some momentum back. If he does, then you trade him and flip him for something good. And if not, then you settle for, you know, a, a middle uh, a top four guy, maybe a top six guy overall later on. You know, you don't have to get rid of this guy and don't fucking trade him for peanuts just because you can. I don't think you can get rid of him yet just because you don't know what you have out of your D-men yet. Yeah. You know, you, you don't <laughs> Sandheim played 82 games. He played well, but you don't know what he is yet. Myers, you don't know what he is yet. Moran, you don't know what he is yet. Well, according to you, Danny's the greatest defensive player to ever yeah. lace him up. Damn but, right but, you know, you, you have a lot of question marks there and you have a new coach coming in with a new with a new system. So I, I think you, you hold on to him, see what you build up out of him, see how your other younger guys play, and, and go from there. And that was the thing that baffled me. It's been fucking decades since we've had a decent defense, you know, full of you know six capable defensemen. And now that we finally have, they're like, we got to get rid of him. <laughs> Fuck. I'm for it, man. Ship his ass out. I had enough of Cooks. <laughs> no, I, Listen, but in all right seriousness, price, I was I trying would. to be funny, but for real, I'm like he—he's—he put it. Let's—he had a nice stretch in his rookie year. You know, it was fun and it was exciting. Uh, he put up 65 points. Uh, what was it? Two years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I'm not crazy for for Goss to spare. Um, and then on the flip side, if they do move him, do you do you fill a hole? Do you go out and get a, you know, I guess a player that would be considered a, a luxury uh, and, and a, like a scoring winger? Uh, some of the guys that come to mind for me, and you guys can tell me if you disagree or give me, give me, like, give me a real opinion, like, because a guy that I, I really like is, is Jason Zucker. For whatever reason, his name's mm-hmm. coming up now in, in rumors. And then uh, a guy that you know maybe we forgot about a little bit was Mike Hoffman from uh, the Panthers. Uh, I think he's got one year left on his deal. He's making, I think, around 5.3. Not sure if he's a Quenville-type player or whatever. Uh, What do you think of those two guys in a a ghost swap? Because neither of them are really in a position where the Flyers absolutely need in the 2C, top 4D, backup goalie, whatever. Would you move Ghost for a kind of a scoring winger? Because they could use one of those, I think. Mm-hmm. Fun fact: I, I'd be done with it. I mean, I, I mean, I like the idea of adding Hoffman because he's another one of those like pure goal scorers that you know are pretty hard to come by, and I think that's something the Flyers desperately need. Like, could you imagine like a Giroux, Couturier, Hoffman first line? That'd be that'd be sick. Oh yeah, and I, I like the idea of Zucker too because I mean, if you've been looking at any of the trades that Minnesota's made this year. Dude, you can fleece them. Like, <laughs> what was that one? It was like Victor Rask for Nino Niederreiter. Like, well, Rask well, had three points through the rest of the season, and Niederreiter was yeah. a key piece in Carolina's playoff run. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's like, <laughs> well, pl- well, plus two with with Fletcher being, you know, d- you know, being in Minnesota for a while there, he probably knows some of the guys that are in there. And you think, you know, he, there's a chance that Fletcher could take advantage of Minnesota there and actually, you know, kind of fleece them for something good. I wouldn't mind if he tried to get Zucker for, you know like a Zucker for Ghost and, you know, some other details, but those obviously be the two key pieces. You know, I like the idea of getting Zucker. I I'm love Zucker. Jason Zucker was drafted with a Philadelphia Flyers draft pick. Hmm. It mm. belongs here. Exactly. <laughs> Real quick, though, on, on the Hoffman thing, I had this discussion with uh, my one of our newest uh, additions over at High and Wide, Kyle Warner. You know, I brought up the Ghost for Hoffman trade, and he goes, well, you know, he's got one year left on his deal. He compared. We compared him, I guess, to Jeff Skinner a little bit. 
mm-hmm. you know, next year when it's time to, you know, give him a contract, is he going to want eight, nine million a year? And, and will they be able to sign him? So essentially, would you be trading him for just one year? So that's, you know, it made me think a little bit. And um, I, you know, I would still do it, not knowing that's, what the cap situation would be like. But that's the big thing with Goss's beer for me is that contract is so team friendly right now that sure. uh, that would be the key in trading him would be you got to find somebody that is either worth it or on another team friendly contract. Cause you, you just don't dump, you know, somebody has was four years left at 4.5 million, uh, you know, uh, especially a top six defenseman like him who has, uh, when he's on, he does have a good, uh, good ceiling. So yeah, especially, right. especially when you're going to buy out McDonald on Saturday. <laughs> I don't. I do they're not. not they're not buying them out. I, there's, them out. <laughs> Chuck Fletcher hasn't ruled it out, but I just don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's no. smart for it to happen. You know, what? At, at this point, just keep him for the last year, so that way you just get rid mm-hmm. of his cap hit all at once. You don't have to drag it out for any more years. Like I get, mm-hmm. you get three million in relief this year, but like it's just. I don't think it's worth it unless they three have million isn't, three million isn't really going to go anywhere. You know? uh, unless no. they, again, unless they have somebody big in mind, unless they're going to target a Panarin or something and they need every dollar they can have. That's one thing. But at this point, just bring them on, you know, bite the bullet. You know, you got one year. The Phantoms need bodies on the blue lines anyway. I was going to say, why can't they just bury them? They are. I, that, I, they're going to. More likely. Yeah. There's just I I don't think they're gonna buy him out. I haven't been confident about it since. Maybe it's just because you know we're trained that Andrew McDonald, Andrew McDonald is the golden boy and nothing bad can happen to him. So you know maybe Fletcher is different uh, theory than Hextall has on that one. But I, I just don't think I don't think it's gonna happen. I think the buyout is something in hockey that is 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 almost like the the offer sheet. Yeah, it, you, it's, just, you know, it, it, you just don't comes and goes. Well. You know. Yeah. Well, I think that's about it, boys. We just broke the hour mark here anyway. Um, let's get some Twitter plugs on here and start with uh, Jim. You have a new addition over at your uh, podcast, right? Yeah, we just got Kyle Warner to team up with us. He's an awesome guy. He's uh, funny as hell. Uh, so make sure you listen. Uh, we uh, He went out and got Riley Cote to come on our show for next week. That's, so that was pretty cool. We're pretty, pretty stoked good. about that. Yeah, he's got a, he's in the CBD and, and some health things. Uh, so next next Tuesday, June eighteenth, Riley Cote is going to be on HW Radio. So yeah, we're we're pumped about that. We have got a couple more guys coming up in July that we'll uh, we'll announce next week. Uh, Brian, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me writing writing the occasional article here on uh, Brotherly Puck. That's at Brotherly Puck. You can find me on Twitter at at wx underscore adams for all my occasional rants about hockey the occasional phillies (laughs) tweet and otherwise just other drunken rambling about things i find in my life and uh yeah fuck the sabers (laughs) (laughs) michael uh michael Watkins seven on twitter i'm also on the section 247 podcast which is on twitter at section 247 pod all one word we're everywhere podcast uh iTunes, SoundCloud, Anchor, Spotify, you name it, we're on it. And I have been Dan, the Flyer fan. Find this site at Brotherly Puck, Brotherly Pod at Brotherly underscore Pod, at National Puck, at National Pod Net. This is 
the beginning of a very long two weeks here at Brotherly Pod. I will be back Sunday with Coast to Coast. We will grill Anthony on starting the Gosses Bear Rumors. Then we have six days of shows from the 21st to the 26th. The Brotherly Puck Roundtable draft discussion will be Friday night, uh, June 21st, after the first round. Uh, it's looking more like a National Puck Roundtable on Saturday. Coast to Coast will be on Sunday the 23rd. A- Angry Jim. What the fuck was that? <laughs> I almost fucking fell out of my chair. <laughs> I don't know if you guys can see that or not. I, I, I did. Fucking, I almost fucking took a dive. It's just floored by the amount of content that Dan's throwing at everybody right now. <laughs> anyway... Uh, Jim and I will be back on the 24th, Monday the 24th, along with the BPW Radio crew, uh, Bobby Thomas and Mike Asito for a crossover show to get all our draft thoughts there. We have an OMB on Tuesday the 25th, and then an episode of Brotherly Pod the 26th. Got all kinds of fucking shit going on that week. Six straight days. Got a couple days off, and then we have the whole thing starting over again with free agency on the 1st. We'll talk more about that in the upcoming episodes as well. So, long day. Thank you, everybody, for putting out for this rant. Thank you for sticking with us all season long. Thank you to Michael and Brian, who have been our guests throughout these playoffs. We will definitely get you guys back on uh, next season throughout the summer. You know, whenever we can squeeze you on. So, thank you, everybody. It has been a fun season. We'll be back on Sunday night. Until then, goodbye and good night. <laughs>